Today on CityCast Salt Lake, it feels like the new springtime vibe for Salt Lakers is balancing excitement over warming temperatures with panic about the impact of early heat on our environment. My oh shit moment came around 1 p.m. on Saturday when there was a sizable avalanche in Big Cottonwood Canyon. Forecaster Craig Gordon is here today from the Utah Avalanche Center, and we're talking about the AVI season and best practices for staying safe out there. It's Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Hey, Craig. How is it going today? Welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. What a uh, different kind of uh, end of March season we're having. A little unusual, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. I have to be honest, I didn't grow up in AVI territory. And so for me, even the concept of avalanches is, is fairly new. But can you describe for me like how an avalanche works? Yeah. So uh, the kind of avalanche that is going to kill us as a backcountry traveler, and remember, avalanches don't discriminate. You know, they don't care if we're skiers, boarders, snowmobilers, hunters, hikers, a Boy Scout group in the mountain, you know, all they know is that we have come along and we have disrupted this uh, nice balance of the snowpack. And that balance is where uh, strength is greater than stress, then the snowpack is in its happy place. When stress is greater than strength, of course, we roll along, we knock the legs out from underneath the snowpack, and now we're staring down the barrel of what could be a potentially uh, scary, significant, or in some cases, a deadly avalanche. And so the, the key ingredients that we need, of course, is that we need snow on the ground, and then we need a weak layer to form, we need a slab on top of that. And a slab is a cohesive piece of snow. A slab shatters like a pane of glass. Once we find a little bit of a weakness or a nuance in it, we collapse that slope. Oftentimes we hear a telltale whooping sound that sounds just like whoomph. And um, then as that slab shatters around us, it, it's generally crashing down on top of us. So avalanches just out of the gates can go zero to 40 miles an hour. And here's the scary thing is that, you know, that nice, light, fluffy snow that you're just starting to get accustomed to in this environment. Well, yeah. once an avalanche is triggered and once that uh, debris sets up, once that piece of moving snow comes to a rest, well, then that, uh, then that snow turns to concrete in just a second or two. So, oh, my God. Yeah, you can't just jump out of this thing and walk out and high five your buddies and say, oh, dude, that was the sickest thing I ever saw, right? <laughs> so now you need, uh, you need your, your, your friends to rescue you. And here, here's a couple of things. Number one, avalanche avoidance is the ticket. It's the key because in any significant avalanche, one in four of us, a quarter of us are killed by trauma. And how that happens is um, no matter how good a skier, boarder, snowmobiler, snowshoer we are, even a trail runner, we're not going to outrun this thing. It's going to knock us off of our feet. 
It's going to carry us over a cliff bend. It might slam us into a tree, which becomes an instant baseball bat at 40 miles an hour. And so like one in four of us dies of trauma. And, uh, you know, for the rest of us, now we have got maybe 15 minutes to live underneath the snow. So having our friends prepared for rescue, that means wearing and knowing how to use an avalanche transceiver, a shovel, and a probe is paramount. But Allie, as you can only imagine, if my chances are uh, that a quarter of my group, if we get caught and carried in an avalanche, is going to get killed, well, then really the big ticket is going to be avoidance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, a, it's sort of a lot to digest, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> like, well, now I'm sweating, so sure? I'm really getting into it. Um, how has this spring been avalanche wise? Because we had one last Saturday in Big Cottonwood. Mm-hmm. There have been warnings about the temps, but even much earlier than this weekend, I saw there was like a Friday where there were 11 avalanches recorded in northern Utah, which to me seems like a lot. Sure. So uh, if we look at the history of our snowpack, it has not been a particularly robust winter. We started off like gangbusters out of the gates in October with great snow and great water, and we developed a really nice-looking snowpack. And when I say nice-looking, what that looks like is that it starts snowing and we continue in the spirit of what looks like uh, a real banger winter, you know, like, hey, man, winter is on it and here it comes. And then what happens in the beginning of November? Well, we go high and dry. And even though it gets warm and we take the mountain bikes out and we're playing tennis and we're trail running. And the way I think of it is like, if we get early season snow, and then we go high and dry and it doesn't snow for a long period of time. All I got to know is that snow gets weak and sugary. Once it starts snowing again, that's a very um, questionable foundation. And we would never build our condo complex with a weak basement and then put really strong layers on top. And when we do that in nature, when we do that with our snowpack, it's inherently dangerous. Hmm. Okay. So... These record-breaking temperatures, they don't help, but the core problem is what happened in November. It's not what happened last week. What has made things um, a little bit on the touchy side and the sketchy side now is not that early season snow, but it is the midwinter drought that we experienced. So remember January and February? It was pretty darn mild like here, wasn't it? Just like a drought. So remember that process that I said that anytime we go high and dry, clear and cold, we develop weak layers in the snowpack. Well, that's exactly what happened during that dry spell, except for we developed those weak layers on top of the snow. Now, let's go back a couple of weeks ago, and we actually did get some snow in the mountains, up to 40 inches in a period of about two weeks. Now, you wouldn't ever know that because it hardly even snowed here in the valley. You know, we had an unsettled period. We stacked up anywhere from two to four feet of snow. And that snow was resting on that weak sugary snow that was created during the January, February dry spell. Now, once we start taking that light fluffy snow and start adding some record warm temperatures, 
that snow starts to consolidate and it gets denser over time and it goes from light fluffy snow into dense cohesive slab and now the properties of that piece of snow change so instead of it being light and fluffy and easy to carve around or easy to walk around on my snowshoes well now it becomes a little more supportable and a little more dense it has slab-like properties to it and then all I need to do as a backcountry traveler is find one of those weak dominoes I talked about that were formed during the January, February dry spell, knock one of those over, and they're connecting to the other dominoes nearby. We knock all of that out. Now dangerous slabs are crashing down on top of me. And that's exactly what happened with this recent warm spell. The dangerous thing with these types of avalanches, it's like a giant slurpee that is just cascading out of the mountains. However, it's got, uh, it packs a punch like a locomotive. So it is just going to fall down everything in its way. Yeah. Brutal. Indeed. I, I'm like, you've got, you've got me pretty wide-eyed here, Craig. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, uh, I'm curious what some of the myths or misconceptions about spring and avalanches are that we need to kind of crack open. This has been an unusual spring. We have seen unusual avalanches and people should still be on their guard and remember that um, since we are dealing with some atypical snowpack conditions that can also produce atypical avalanche conditions. So as we always suggest, you know, always dip a toe in the water before diving headfirst in, you know, check out small terrain, do a little mini golf before really going after the big lines, match your terrain choices with what the avalanche danger suggests. Always be armed with the latest avalanche forecast for the zone you decide to recreate. And remember, Utah Avalanche Center is a statewide agency. So whether you're skiing, boarding, hiking, out with the family for a snowshoe or with your scouting group, definitely tune in to utahavalanchecenter.org. That's your one-stop shop for all things avalanche. And this is the time of year where changes in the snowpack happen pretty quick. So, I mean, we could be getting a winter storm uh, late in the day, like we're looking at today into tomorrow. It's great powder riding, great powder traveling. The sun comes out for a few minutes and it bakes it just like an ant under a magnifying glass. So if you're feeling that way, you know that the snowpack is as well. So sometimes those changes can happen from drainage to drainage or canyon to canyon. So it's a good time. Uh, it's a good time of year, you know, to be on your game, be flexible with your game plans. Be flexible with your terrain choices and know that, you know, we still got a bunch of winter left. So uh, definitely proceed with caution as we're moving forward. I'm curious, uh, you're a forecaster. We're talking about this totally unusual spring. It feels like our weather patterns are only getting more unusual and that's the direction that we're headed. What is it like to try and forecast in this moment? You know, doing this work for three and a half decades, I have definitely noticed changes. And I've noticed changes, you know, not only from the forecast standpoint of it, but, you know, I'm a skier and I love to ski and I love to be in the mountains. And 
I've noticed that storm patterns and storm characteristics have changed just in, in the three and a half decades that I've been working. And I'm also a historian at heart, and I love to talk to different generations who have both worked with snow or been around snow, or even ranchers who I know who can talk in the same language, not necessarily I'm out to slay powder today, but they can tell me about the storm in 1955 or growing up as a kid in, you know, in the Oakley or Camas Valley when there was always four or five feet of snow on the ground and the fence posts were always buried. And, and then there was the one year, yeah, it was dry, but those rest of the years, well, they made up for it. And you hear this this great history. So when I think about this industry and this way to make a living and what things look like moving forward, it's a lot like uh, a lot of folks were talking about 20 or 30 years ago that storms would get more infrequent, but when they would come, they would be more violent and we'd see bigger winds and higher density snows, and then it would dry out for long periods of time. And it's very curious to see that starting to come to fruition. And it does make it challenging as a forecaster and, of course, as a snow lover and a lover of this medium and a lover of our environment uh, that we get to enjoy throughout the winter. So, um, you know, I am not a scientist and, and climatology is not my field of expertise, but outside looking in, something's changing. Mm -hmm. That's your man on the street. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> from our uh, mountain correspondent, <laughs> Ben the Canyons. Um, I'm curious if you have any hopes or fears for fire season or if you stay out all that. But the relationship between our snowpack and our fire season, I mean, they're par and partner, right? You know, again, I, I see it from a recreational standpoint. And you know, when you have a dry winter, uh, chances are that pattern doesn't change throughout the summer. And when I look back at, at big winters, you know, uh, one, one that's really relatable, 2010, 2011, I mean, it was a huge winter. And I remember on Memorial Day skiing, legit, deep, cold Utah pow. I mean, it was happening just, you know. On, on Memorial Day of 2011, like the real deal, it could have been the middle of January, you wouldn't have known the difference. And to think that that summer moving forward, I mean, we remained wet that whole summer. And it wasn't just like afternoon, you know, convective thunderstorms like we see or monsoon thunderstorms. I look at things relatable because I'm not a scientist, but uh, I am a recreationist. And so, you know, kind of just putting that, that correlation together and, and connecting the dots, you can see that when we have dry winters, it is a big steering wheel that, that you got to move to change this bus in a different direction. And those changes happen slow. So generally speaking, one dry season leads into another dry season. All right. Any pro tips or Sort of last thoughts for good folks in this valley who just want to make it through the rest of the spring safely and get into the canyons? Yeah, remember that we still have, you know, a, a chunk of winter to go. 
and uh, be in tune with what the latest avalanche forecast is. We will be running through probably about mid-April with daily avalanche forecasts. And after that, we do intermittent forecasts. So, um, you know, tune into that as much as you can digest as much of that as you can. And, you know, for the spring and moving forward, uh, being able to change gears, pump the brakes, go in a different direction, know that it's a different type of snowpack this spring and also being cognizant to the changes that happen rapidly in the spring you know if uh if we're not feeling it the mountain isn't feeling it there's always another season there is always another time the mountains will always be there ready for us we oftentimes just have to go to the mountains on their terms Mm -hmm. I think that's such sage advice, especially in these last few weeks of the resorts being open, because the impulse is like, you got to maximize it. But the reality is this, you know, safety first. Craig, thank you so much for your time and wisdom. Happy spring. Happy spring. Happy summer. Look forward to seeing you out on the trail, whether it's got snow or dirt. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Allie. Hey there, it's Allie. Just taking a moment to say, have you thought about advertising on CityCast Salt Lake? If there's anything we've learned making this show and newsletter, it's that our audience is made up of incredibly engaged Salt Lakers. They care most about what's going on in town. They're the first to try new restaurants. Honestly, they're tastemakers. So if you have a business or an event or an organization that Salt Lakers should know about, consider spreading the word on CityCast Salt Lake. Find out more by emailing us at ads at citycast.fm or checking out saltlake.citycast.fm slash advertise. A little news before we go. I continue to be fascinated by Salt Lake's population growth because it feels like on the one hand, the city is absolutely exploding, both in population and development. The U.S. Census showed 20% growth in Salt Lake County between 2010 and 2020, one of the fastest growing cities in America. At the same time, the Salt Lake School District has compiled a list of 14 half-empty elementary schools, and enrollment in the district is so low, there's discussion over which of them to close. An awkward conversation that, for now, has been moved to 2023 to allow for more breathing room in the process. Everyone in town has a theory or opinion on this city's growth, but some new data from the U.S. Census Bureau isn't making the picture any clearer. During 2021, Salt Lake County's population didn't budge. But you know who popped off? St. George, Provo, Orem, and Logan. KUER's Ivana Martinez dug around to get some answers on why Salt Lake's population growth has slowed. And one of the things that folks across the board pointed to you could probably guess it, this relentless and discouraging housing market. That's our show today on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. If you're glad this show exists, it would mean the world to me if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Bye.